Oh, so glad you can join us on a Sunday night here on 760 WJR. Always a pleasure to uh, chat with uh, this gentleman as well, uh, Bill Keenis. The weekend was going fairly well. And then, uh, Bill, about yeah. uh, three hours ago, a, a little case of deja vu. I, it was funny. As he was lining up that kick, I was thinking about that game going back to 2013. Yeah. Just before Christmas. 61 yards. And I was it with our mutual friend from Fox 2, Greg Cannon. We're watching the game. We're yeah. going, he's not going to hit from 61. <laughs> no, but he did. Uh, just one of those, Bill, you honestly, yeah. you sat, I don't know what your reaction was. I just sat there like with that state of shock just going, did I just see what I right. just saw? I mean, unbelievable. NFL record 66-yard field yeah. goal and the line's loose. You know what, Sean? Uh, shortly after that, um, I got a call from a good friend, Dean Kleinschmidt, who was a, worked for us as a head trainer f- for about 10 years. Dean was the head trainer for the New Orleans Saints for close to 25 years. And uh, Dean told me that he was the head trainer um, when Tom Dempsey kicked a 63-yarder. And he actually taped Tom's prosthetic spike if you will and uh before the game and and that was uh that was dean's responsibility and i just remember even you know growing up i was 12 years old at the time of that kick but it was national news if you were a sports fan everybody heard about it um but a 66 yarder on the last play to win the game justin tucker may be the best ever um and for lions fans i'm sure that we all just started um, unfortunately, reminiscent so many games over the years with with the ending just as impactful, maybe not exactly the same script, but certainly as devastating. You know, it's interesting, Bill, because I, I tweeted something like that out. I said, if you have been a Lion fan for any amount of time, like, honestly, yeah. I, I'm being sincere. You, you right. shouldn't be surprised. Unfortunately, no. we've seen so yeah. many strange things like that. Through it all, we love them. It's funny you mentioned the Tom Dempsey kick. I don't know if I ever told you this, um, but Thanksgiving Day 1980, you weren't with the franchise yet, but I'm right. sure you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. The Bears score yeah. on the last play of the game, <laughs> then yeah. score on the opening kickoff in overtime, and my father and my grandfather right. were at Thanksgiving yeah. dinner, and they're laughing hysterically. And I'm devastated. I'm 10 years old. Well, Tears are welled yeah. up in my eyes and yeah. everything. And then they went down that yeah. list. And one of the things they talked about is they were watching the game together in 1970 when Tom Dempsey hit that. Right. It, it's just, I'll tell you what, it, it's its going to make it yeah. all that much sweeter when this franchise one day gets it right, right. and it's going to happen. Right. Uh, but this yeah. is something, unfortunately, you hit the nail right on top of the head, Bill. In a sick, twisted way, we're, we're all kind of, we're, we're all kind of, uh, sharing battle stories, right. if you will, of, of, no of doubt. games that ripped your heart out, you know? Right. And that's the beauty of sport, certainly the the reality of football. And uh, how many times have we believed the game was won? It was over. Um, go back to the, the Atlanta game in 17 when Golden Tate oh. scores the touchdown. Um, and we were 2-0 and at the time. And the official signals, touchdown. And then they go to a review and comes back and says he was downed on the one yard line, nine seconds to go, 10 second runoff. You lose the game. And it was stunning. And in that play, 
I think I, I've actually brought that up uh, when I was still working for the club to our executives, our football side. I think there should be a rule change on that play. And here, here's why. I understand the 10-second runoff concept. Um, it's, it's for the integrity of the game. A, a team can't take a penalty to stop the clock or whatever. But normally penalties are assessed when a player or even a coach commits a foul, does something that's not in the rule book. But that Atlanta game, as you recall, the official technically made the mistake. He signaled touchdown, and then it wasn't. So would we have been able to get off a play in, in nine seconds? I believe we would have. I mean, teams practice that all the time. Um, so I, I've suggested that, you know, when when that runoff application comes into play, if it's an official's call, and not the result of something a coach or player did. There should be a one on time down. Um, and uh, but there's so many of that. I I remember a playoff game in Green Bay, uh, the '94 season, and uh, that was the game, the infamous game when Barry was held to, you know, <laughs> minus one yards. Yeah. And I remember, and of course I'm going to look at things differently. But I've never seen a field in worse condition than Lambeau that day. I swear that they watered it all week just to slow Barry down. That that's my story and, and recollection. Because back then, uh, they only played five games at Lambeau. The Packers they played mm-hmm. three at Old Milwaukee County Stadium, so the field should have been in impeccable condition. But you know, home field advantage it comes in many shapes and sizes. But in that game, if you remember. Dave Craig was a quarterback and he hits Herman Moore in the back of the end zone and he tries to toe tap. And I was on the sideline by that time. And we just erupted for that instance, you know, that second. And then the official weighs it off. He was out of bounds. That would have been the winning score. So many of those over the years, so many. Yeah. It, it's, it's unfortunate. You know, yeah. hey, what, what did this mean in the grand scheme of things? I, I'm not going to sit here and say what right. it would have meant. It's just another heartbreaker. There's no yeah. doubt about it. And you have to give this team credit. One thing that Coach Campbell talked yeah. about after the game was the grit of this team. Because, yeah. I, I mean, li- Bill, literally nothing was going on in the first half. It was just right. one of those games where you're going, Baltimore's going to win this game 16-3 to or, you know, something like yeah. that. And, yeah. uh, you know what? They found a little something going. They got something mm-hmm. going with Swift. They kept it simple with yep. Jared Goff. And, you know, unfortunately – I want to get your take um, on on so many people are talking about the play clock running out. Right. And right. I, I thought that uh, the uh, Gene on, on CBS did a, Gene a, a fair, yeah. Yeah, did, did a fairly good job of, right. of explaining it. It isn't to the second. Usually right. the official on the right. field is, is going to give every team, not, not right. just the Ravens, not the Lions. They're going to give every team a little bit more. Right. But, Boy, Bill, that did sound seem like an inordinate right. amount of you, time. You know, I I can't tell you how many times I recall that happening in a game in our favor and against us. Um, you look at the clock, it's down. There's no call. You look at the official, and then by that time, the ball is snapped. Um, I remember talking about this to a, a mutual friend of ours, Matt Barnhart, when Matt mm-hmm. was uh, with me in the Lions. And Matt's the big uh, basketball fan. And he says, we they, they should ins- install a, a big sign with lights on it, <laughs> you know, sort of like the 24-second clock. And when that 
when that goes down to zero, it starts flashing. I mean, they would have to do it in a way not to disrupt the quarterback's eyesight or um, sight line of vision, what have you. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it's unfortunate. Um, and I don't know what's worth worse, you know, the kick, you know, the clock or the completion on fourth down, you know, it's just all, all in all, it's just a gut punch. I mean, that's, that's the only way you can look at it. Yeah, no doubt about that. Of course, the Lions fall um, an NFL record 66-yard field goal, 19-17 to uh, to the Ravens. I want to go back to something that you said because I think in sports media, sometimes um, people are prone to make overstatements. Um, But something that you said rings at – we might be watching the greatest kicker of all time. And if you don't believe what Bill said and what I'm backing up now – Look up the numbers. Yeah. I mean, this guy has been phenomenal. Right. And from all accounts, just an exceptional human being, a tremendous teammate. I mean, you can tell. I mean, obviously, you know, any team's going to react the way they did after that kick. But the, the Ravens love that guy because they know he's probably the difference between three or four wins a season for them. And uh, certainly today was one of those. And, you know, the the other thing that I wanted to mention today, how ironic you know, we're talking special teams, obviously, but in the uh, Arizona Jacksonville game, our our friend Matt Prater, he attempts a 68 yard field goal. I think mm-hmm. I think it was 68 yards, and that that doesn't surprise me because I've never seen a more powerful leg than Matt Prater's. I mean, he it's almost like one of those mechanical deals where you press a button and it just explodes <laughs> on the ball. And he obviously was was close to that distance because another former line, Jamal Agnew, catches it nine yards deep in the end zone and returns it 109 yards. And and that's the big risk. And coaches have talked about it. We've seen it so many times. The, the Auburn-Alabama game years ago yeah, um, where when you're attempting a field goal that long – You've got a lot of blockers on on the field, a lot of offensive linemen, and uh, if if it's returnable, those guys aren't used to to coverage, kick coverage. And Jamal found a found a, a lane and and he was off. So special teams obviously played a big part in in some games today, not the least of which was the Lions. No doubt about it. We have a lot to talk about. Of course, the four o'clock games. We always like to keep you in tune with going on. Some guy named Stafford's yeah. having a pretty good game. Maybe yeah. How about that? Yeah. Jeez, right. Pete, get, catch Amazing. up with what's going on in college, Bill. I know you have some yeah. thoughts on uh, right. uh, the big wins for Michigan and, and, and Michigan State last right. night. Don't you go anywhere. We are up against break. When we come back, we'll continue to talk some NFL. I want to get into some college stuff as well. We're talking football. That's what we do on the show. It's Gridiron Wrap. He's Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. You are listening to 760 WJR. We certainly appreciate our friends at Hungry Howie's and appreciate you listening on a Sunday night. He is Bill Keenest. I'm Sean Belegian. Just, Bill, quickly to let everybody know what's going on in the late games. It looks like the Vikings are about to clinch this game against the Seahawks. They're up 30-17 late in the fourth quarter there. Dolphins and Raiders, a classic matchup. They are in overtime as the Dolphins scored with two seconds left and got a two-point conversion. And as we mentioned before the break, uh, the Rams have a 34-17 lead over Tom Brady and the Bucs. 
What a duel between these two quarterbacks. Brady has right. 394 yards. Stafford has yep. 343 yards. And, oh, by the way, four, four touchdown passes for the Rams. Yeah. What a Isn't start. that something? Yeah. You, you know, yeah. it's funny. I was talking to, as we were watching the Lions game today, and it, it morphed over after we shook our heads and laughed and cried for a few minutes. Yeah. It, you know, it, it switched over to the Rams and Bucks. And, and I'll tell you yeah. what, Bill, there was always such a silly argument in this town about number nine, as far as I'm right. concerned. Matthew yeah. Stafford's a darn good quarterback. And if he hasn't oh, proven I... it to you yet, he never will. You're right about that. And I I will go to the mat for that young man. I think he's exceptional in every way. And um, I think what he was able to do with us, with the Lions, during his time, um, you know, football people can understand it and appreciate it. I mean, it's no secret he didn't have um, a running game for the almost the entire time he was in Detroit. Um a running game that would have caused defenses to game plan for it, or to at least be aware of it. Um, we've had good defenses in the past. The Rams, Aaron Donald, watching him today is just, I mean, he is freakishly good, as everybody knows. But uh, couldn't be happier for Matthew. I mean, and what a what a game buildup this was. I mean, you know, the, the game of the week for uh, Fox, the afternoon game, and just the buildup into – to almost exceed expectations because it was back and forth there, you know, probably till the middle end of the third quarter. And, um, and Matthew so happy for him. He certainly has, has, has been everything and probably more that the Rams could have hoped for up to this point. You know, it's funny, uh, Bill, that you bring that up because more often than not, games get touted like this yep. in, during yep. the regular season. Just one man's opinion, it doesn't live up to expectations. Right. And no. I, I, as I was watching this today, it kind of reminded me <clears throat> of that Monday night football game a couple years back, three years back, uh, between right. the Chiefs and the Rams. Remember yeah. that crazy game? Oh, my gosh. Just, I remember yeah. watching that game with my son. He was home uh, <clears throat> right. from, from college and everything. And we yeah. were sitting on the couch just laughing. It, it was yeah. like watching a video game. They were right. they were playing Madden or something. And was that incredible. was a game that was incredibly hyped up. But, boy, it seemed to live up to the expectations. And yeah. I'll tell you what, it makes the afternoon go better. And and it eases uh, the, the pain after a, a Lions right. loss like today as yeah. well. You know, you, you get into watching football right. and. You know, you're you're, you're yeah. enjoying uh, this great game, and that's why we're doing this show is to talk about this. Absolutely. Game. And then you you also, when you think of Matthew, so many of us think of Calvin Johnson too, and he got his ring today, which was wonderful. And uh, and even Calvin, Calvin, God bless him. I mean, some of the the gut wrenching plays that he was involved with, going back to 2010 in Chicago. <laughs> You know, the bat in the end zone in Seattle. I mean, it never ends, Sean. It never ends. So, but. I, I, I still joke all the time. I told this story on the air when I was working with Killer. I, I was so confused that I kept playing the replay over and over. And I called noted football expert, my five-year-old daughter, Lauren, into the room. And I said, Lauren, did that man wearing number 81 catch the ball? And she watched yeah. the play and she goes, Right. Uh-huh. And I said, yeah. well, that's all I needed to hear. If, if, if uh, Lauren calls it a catch, I, I right. call it a catch as well. But, no, you're absolutely right. A, a phenomenal career for Calvin right. Johnson. I mean, you wanna, we've been blessed. I mean, for all the heartache, yeah. and we talked about some of it. Boy, yep. we have, we 
between watching Barry, being blessed to watch Barry, and I, I still say watching Billy as well. I loved Billy. No, we talked about him last week. Yep. Yeah, and, and Calvin Johnson. <clears throat> yeah. We've been pretty blessed to see players of that yeah. caliber. And you look at all the teams in town of every sport, generational talent that every sports fan has heard of, knows of. Gordy Howe and Isaiah Thomas, Dave Bing, I mean, and Miggy. I mean, I don't know that we can truly fully appreciate Miguel Cabrera yet um, is great. Al Kaline, Alan Trammell. I mean, from sport to sport to sport, we we have truly been fortunate, uh, you know, to grow up in this community and be, be sports fans here. No doubt about it. So uh, just a, a real quick recap to, to let everybody know uh, Rams still on top, 34-17 late. Uh, I believe that is a final uh, with uh, the Vikings as well. The Vikings end up winning 30-17. to 17. They knock right. off uh, Seattle. The Raiders got a field goal in overtime. Uh, Miami gets the ball. Raiders lead the Dolphins 28-25. That has been a crazy game. Coming up yeah. tonight, as a matter of fact, uh, we've got Green Bay-San Francisco. That should be a good one tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Philly and Dallas. So, uh, the football weekend is Bill. What's your thoughts on the Thursday night game? Are you are you thumbs up Thursday night game or you know my my feeling, you know, ever since it was instituted is, um, I think the teams that play Thursday night, if it can be worked out, which normally anything can be worked out, should um, have a bye week the week before. So you know they're fresh. Um, there hasn't been any evidence that you know teams that play Sunday Thursday and then you know, the following Sunday have more injuries, but that's the one thing I would have loved. And, and perhaps it still could, uh, you know, happen um, just to, to, to put more distance between the previous game, because if you did that, then there'd be no issue, but it's, you know, the NFL schedule may be more complicated than sending, uh, you know, people to the moon. I mean, it, it's incredible all the variables that go into that schedule, but that that's one thing that I think uh, I would have liked to have seen over the years. You know, for me, Bill, and I, I'm showing my age and I don't care. Yeah. I, I always thought it was special when uh, ABC had Thursday night football. It was a special yeah. thing. And, yeah. and to me, as cheesy as it sounds, mm-hmm. they took the special away from it. It was, yeah. you know, it always seemed like right. there was a game maybe a couple weeks well, before yeah. Christmas. And yeah. they took the special away from it. Does that make sense? No, it does, because I know – and, and we're going way back now, Sean. I mean, the first Monday night game was in 1970. The Jets, Joe Willie Namath at the Browns in old Cleveland Municipal Stadium. But to me, the the theme music for Monday night football dun, 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 oh. was iconic. And you could play that in any sports fan from our generation would know that. But the other thing that made it eat just as special, I believe, and again, we're going back. But, you know, there was no ESPN at the time. There was no social media, no Internet, no Twitter, none of that stuff. So all we did on Monday at school was ask the question, are we going to be on Howard's halftime highlights? You know, and and we would beg and and do whatever, you know, please, mom, please, dad, let me stay up to watch the halftime highlights. And and I think they probably averaged six or seven games, maybe. Yeah. And when your team was featured at halftime of the Monday night game, it was a holiday. And you got to school the next morning. Did you see that? Did you see that? And it's funny how simple that appears today. But back then, it was special. 
Yeah, for people that uh, aren't aware, Monday Night Football started at 9 o'clock back yes, then. Yes, so exactly. Yeah. I had to make so many deals with, Dad, please let yeah. me stay up till 1020. All right, right. you're going to clean your room all this week. I'll do yeah. it. I'll, whatever. I'll make yeah. any deal you want because you just wanted that 15-second highlight. No Billy doubt. Sims, you know the name. <laughs> and that, that distinct co-sell oh. delivery, it was, it was a special moment. Oh, it indeed. was. It was so special. Uh, yeah. We'll talk some college football when, when we come Great. back. Uh, both Michigan, Michigan State move yeah. up in the rankings. Both of them uh, come away with victories uh, yep. yesterday. We'll get into that. It is Gridiron Rap. He's Bill Keenis. I'm Sean Belegian. So glad you could join us on a Sunday night right here on 760 WJR. You know, Bill, I, I have to mention something to you before we move on to college football. I mean, almost as if on cue, my son just texted me, and he's <laughs> out in L.A., and okay. he, he goes, Dad, I love you. I have to tell you, I'm at a bar right now watching the Rams-Buccaneers game. Everybody here thinks Matthew Stafford is the greatest. It is so <laughs> strange looking at him in this yeah. Rams uniform. So isn't that something? Yeah. No, I mean, I, no surprise. You know, I, yeah. I look at, I look at uh, somebody like my son. I mean, that's yeah. the guy that his whole life, Matthew sure. Stafford was there and everything. Yeah. So it's yeah. gotta be a strange, I mean, it's strange for us, but for those oh, kids like yeah. my son that grew up and Matthew Stafford is literally right. the only lions quarterback he knows. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. wow. a strange, strange thing. That has to be yep. always going to root for him. I, no I, doubt. I, I will say yep. that. Yeah, just always conducted himself uh, uh, in, in in such a good manner. They end up winning today, thirty four to twenty four, yeah. and uh, they improve to three and zero on the season. How about that? Yep, mm-hmm. as uh, advertised. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, Michigan State ends up yep. moving up to number seventeen in the AP poll. Yeah, uh, number sixteen in the coaches poll. Michigan moves up to fourteen in both polls uh close games over yeah. the weekend bill but uh you know what they say about close all that matters is you get the w yeah no and in november no one will care how they did it just if they did it and uh you know as far as michigan goes greg Chiano is a very good football coach and uh i think he was even rumored i don't know how many years ago about a potential candidate at michigan um, but he has done a great job. He did a great job at Rutgers before he went to the NFL. And then since, and I think he took advantage of the transfer portal, much like Coach Tucker has done at Michigan State. And Rutgers is going to be a team that people are going to have to deal with all season long. That was not um, Michigan playing down to anybody. That was Michigan winning a hard-fought, tough football game. and. Um, and as far as uh, Michigan State, I'll tell you what, and I Coach Tucker referred to it, that win could be transformational. And so, you know, just program buildings, program special. Because, I mean, they were doing nothing in the second half, obviously. And when when they went back in punt formation, I'll tell you what hit me, Sean. Um, we remember our former head coach, Rod Marinelli. Mm-hmm. You know, great man and he, a historian of football. And when he was coaching with us, he would talk to his high school coach every week of, of, of a game. And that was the impact. We talked last week a lot about high school sports, but that was the impact Rod's high school coach had on him. Not only 
in sports, but in life. I mean, he had a profound impact in Rod in his uh, young life at the time. But what Rod would tell me, and we would talk high school football and college football, but his high school coach always put two guys back on punt on the punt return team. You hardly ever see that anywhere. You're right. But when he explained it to me, I started watching high school games differently. He said, you watch a high school game and watch how many yards are lost by the return team because the ball bounces and goes 20 yards behind the returner on the other side of the field because the punters aren't as, you know, as good. They're not as directional as they, they just want to get the ball off. Yep. So consequently the ball's bouncing all over the place. And, um, and so Rod said in high school, he said, if it were me, I'd put two guys back there and just have them fair catch it. And at the end of the game, you'll be ahead yard twice because it won't, you won't lose any. So when I saw those two guys deep, I thought, wait a minute, has he been doing this all year? I don't know. But then it was clear they had that play called. And it was brilliant to pull that out at that time in the game when the game was was slipping away. And, I mean, that that, I don't want to say it saved the season. That's way too premature. But it just told me what, what that told me that Michigan State's got a special coach and in, in Coach Tucker. Um, it reminded me of years ago when I was with Washington and Coach Gibbs. Yeah. Coach Gibbs would put in a trick play for every game. Would he use it for every game? Not necessarily. But the players were so excited to practice it during the week, whatever it was. It just, it was, I mean, we're dealing with, with young men here. And they get excited, too. You can see it every week on TV. And so Coach Gibbs would always have a trick play or two in the repertoire. And Coach Coach Tucker, whoever was interviewed, I read, said they had been practicing that. So can you imagine, can you imagine the excitement when that play is called and it works to perfection and ultimately turns the game around and the Spartans win? I mean, that was incredible. Yeah, you, you know what it looks like to me, Bill? Uh, it looks like exactly what you're saying. You have a group of guys that have yes. bought in to no what doubt. Coach Necker and his staff are selling. Yeah. Because not only not only did that flip the script and tie the game, but when that game went into overtime, yeah. uh, you, you had a Michigan State defense that was opportunistic, yeah. picked the ball off, yeah. and, and finally you got a running back in the backfield who's been lighting everybody up, breaks off one big run, yeah. and it's game, set, match. I mean, really, at that no point doubt. in time, it's, 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 it's a gimme, and – Michigan yeah. State, uh, uh, to use a Tom Izzo term, survives <laughs> and advances. No and, question. Uh, yeah. It, it, yeah. Hey, you know what? It's exciting. And, and of course, uh, you can hear the Spartans next game uh, right here on your home for the Spartans, Absolutely. 760 WJR. Yep. Uh, yeah. Next Saturday night as they welcome in the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers of yeah. Michigan. They have a, a tough test. They it's do. never easy to go to Wisconsin. I no. don't care if Wisconsin's struggling or if right. they're, you know, the Wisconsin that we've seen so often. Yeah. That is just not an easy place to go to, no. Camp Randall. No, that's that's true, Sean. I think it has some of the same, you know, overtones as Michigan State's game at Miami did last week. Um, and if, if, if Coach Harbaugh can go up there and and bring a win back, boy, will that set up the season because you're right. That's probably one of the hardest places in the country uh, as far as college football venues uh, go. So uh, that'll be, uh, I'm sure that'll be a classic big, big 10, you know, knock them down, drag them out type of game. 
and it looks to be a very competitive Big Ten as well, just yes. in case people didn't see this. Penn State it has moved yeah. up to four in the AP. Yeah. Iowa at five. Ohio State at 11. Michigan at 14. Michigan right. State at 17. So, you know, you've got a slew of teams in the top 17. And, oh, by the way, all of them, with the exception, of course, of Iowa, play on one side of the conference. And, right, uh, right. you know, for years, it's That's been hard. somebody yeah. from the East. And maybe, just maybe, yeah. this is the year that Kirk Ferentz and, and the Hawkeyes break yeah. through. It's it's interesting right. because this doesn't seem to be the Ohio State powerhouse of years gone no. by. I still think they're the favorite. I, I'm Until yeah. somebody knocks them right. off, you have to give them that, that credit. But, yeah. uh, Bill, I think a lot of people are starting to think, hmm, Maybe this is yeah. the year that somebody, anybody yeah. can 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 break that bu- that Buckeye string. I was thinking the same thing, Sean. I I got to believe that you know the other teams are looking at how the Buckeyes have come out of the gates, and there's they're they're just not they don't appear to be the same dominant team. But um, you know the good teams get better week after week after week, and you want to peak in in November, so uh, it, it sets up the Big Ten for just a tremendous season. Yeah, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, I, Bill. I'll tell you. I, I know I've told you this privately before. As I get, I just love college football. I really yeah. do it. High school yeah. has skyrocketed as we talked yeah. about last week, but yeah. there is just something special about being yeah. on campus. I don't care what campus is. Yeah. It is. I was on Wayne State's campus this, uh, sure this past weekend, and unfortunately, yeah. they fell to Saginaw Valley. But right. um, you know, whether whether it be going with your friends up to East yeah. Lansing or you know, being at Saginaw Valley or being yeah. at Wayne State, there's yeah. there's just something special about being on campus on a college yeah. football Saturday. You couldn't have said it better, Sean. I I was in Pennsylvania this past week for the wedding of a nephew and uh, listened to the Pitt game driving back. I grew up a Pitt and Penn State fan. And, you know, I have friends and we talk Pitt football. And anytime it comes up, you know, I am convinced that it may be a, a ridiculous thought. But I'm convinced that until Pitt, and I don't know if it's even thought of, but I think they lose so much by playing at Heinz Field because they're not on campus. And even the University of Miami, you know, not not on campus per se, their stadium, you know. Um, but Pitt, when they played at Pitt Stadium, that's when they won their national title. And um, they had one of the most dominant programs in the country. And like you said, there is nothing like a college campus on a autumn after a Saturday afternoon in autumn. It's just the energy, the buzz is it's incredible. And uh, when teams don't play on campus, when they have to essentially travel to their stadium, be it five miles, 10 miles, whatever, like some teams do, I think it loses something. And then and then just the reality, speaking more about Pitt right now. You know, they could have 30,000 people at a game. The stadium's half empty. And the players see that when they come out of the tunnel. They're seeing all those empty seats. So I I think uh, the the classic, you know, college campus, no matter how big it is, uh, stadium I'm talking about, as long as it's full, it just adds something to the environment uh, on game day. Those students piling in, it, yeah. it's it's awesome. I I never yeah. ever get tired of it. I, I, I no. just you know, and you know that the the drill. Half the kids that are there are just there to be there. You know, it sure. doesn't matter. There's an excitement. There's electricity yeah. that 
it's it's hard to find in many different places. Uh, right. You find it on Friday nights, that's for sure. No, no doubt question. about that. No question. All right, uh, last segment of the show. So much to get into. So glad you could join us on a Sunday night. He is Bill Keenis. I'm Sean Belegian. It is Gridiron Rap right here on 760 WJR. You know, we were talking some college football, and I am one of those people. Uh, I remember playing his day when game day started on ESPN. I even remember when they first took yep. it on the road. They, one of the many games of the century. Yeah. It was uh, Florida yeah. State, Notre Dame. They took it on the road for the first yep. time in 1993. Yeah. But, but Bill, I don't know about you. That has become a, a college game day tradition for myself and passed yeah. on to my son, and we always want to no see doubt. what at you know, Lee yeah. Corso puts Lee on Corso. everything. But one yeah. of the legendary, legendary, and I don't use that term very loosely, one right. of the legendary characters on that show was a guy by the name of Bino Cook. And and right. Bino had this abrasive yet grandfatherly <laughs> way about him would be yes, the best way did. to describe it. Yes. You were telling me there's a little history with Bino Cook and WJR. Yes, there is, Sean. I, uh, again, my Pittsburgh roots, I became pretty good friends with Bino. Um, and for those that don't know his story, um, he was the sports information director at Pitt in the 50s with, you know, Mike Ditka and Joe Schmidt and into the 60s. And um, and he back then it was a different world, you know, a different, you know, sports culture, climate, what have you. But Bino was uh, part information, part P.T. Barnum. And he would come up. He, one of his promotions back then was uh, Dr. Jonas Salk, who invented the cure for polio, um, was was a Pitt guy. He he was from the University of Pittsburgh, and uh, I believe it was Dick Grote, who was an All American basketball player at Pitt, and went on to play baseball for the Pirates and was an MVP in the World Series in 1960. But Bino came up with this promotional campaign, and he had a picture of Jonas Salk and Dick Grote. And the caption was the two greatest shot makers in the world because <laughs> Dick was a great basketball player. at Pitt, And Jonas, of course, did his thing with uh, with curing polio. So um, but the story about about Bino and Jr. it was had to be in the early 90s. And at the time, Bino was on actually at that time, I think he was on the ABC pregame show and he would have a shtick every week. And, you know, it was hilarious. The one thing I'll say about Bino is uh, he told me after I came up to Michigan, he said his dream would be to be buried wearing the winged helmet. So he had profound respect for the U of M football program and, you know, just for college football anywhere and everywhere. But he loved the University of Michigan you know, the tradition, the history, all that. So Bino was doing some syndicated radio uh, appearances during that era. So he would be in different markets, you know, and a a station would interview him on a Friday or a Monday. Um, So he asked me if I could help set something up for him in Detroit, right? And and again, it was the early 90s. So I thought JR, JR carried U of M at the time. I thought that would be a perfect spot for, for Bino. So I'm not sure who I introduced him to at the station, the sales manager, whoever, the general manager. So he's going to do a weekly hit with J.P. McCarthy, perhaps the most respected, renowned radio voice in generations, right? I mean, everybody that knows the history of radio um, knows J.P. McCarthy. And certainly in Detroit, 
you know, there was never a bigger media personality than JP. So the, the, the first hit is good. I think it was the second week of the season. I don't know that we started the first week, whatever. So it's a Friday and Bino's going to go on at 6.15 in the morning. And then JR is going to, you know, replay the interview later in the uh, JP show. So JP welcomes them on the air and introduces them and Michigan's playing whoever on, on Saturday, tomorrow, the next day, tomorrow. And JP says, you know, Bino, um, you know, Florida state, you know, they run a lot of, uh, you know, three, four and they blitz. And he starts asking Bino about strategies and Bino interrupts JP and says, listen, PJ, that's right. He said, PJ, he goes, I'm the football expert here. You're you're the disc jockey. You're you're playing the records. You stick with playing the records, and that's why you have me on your show so I can talk strategy and tell you about football. And God bless JP McCarthy. He could have. I, I was getting ready for work, and I think I had a heart attack because I'm like, oh my gosh, this will be the shortest stint in the history of radio because he's not going to survive the show, let alone come on the next week. And JP said, you know what, Bino. You're right. You are the football expert. So what do you think about Florida State's defense? <laughs> Whatever he said. Oh. And it was classic. And when the interview was over, I called Bino and I'm like, what in the world were you doing? Hey, it's good radio. You know, he wanted me to talk football. And that's what I did. I talked football. <laughs> so uh, I will. I will never forget that. <laughs> he was that. And, and just hearing you say it, I can hear yeah. that voice. He had that right. very distinctive right. kind of gravelly. I, I hate did. to use the word again, abrasive voice. He did. But oh, yeah. Yet, yet yeah. Bill, he always seemed to me like he had that that softer side, that grandfatherly side. Yeah, he did. Yeah. I, I think that's why so many people, right. uh, like yours truly, I, I grew up loving the guy. And of course, you know, everybody, well, I, you know, I think that Ron Paulus is going to win three. I know, you're right. At Notre Dame. right. Yeah. But yeah. that that's what Bino did. That's what made Bino Bino. Yeah. And he loved college football. I mean, I don't, I've never met anyone more passionate about college football Football in general, but in particular college football, and um, and and Bino was a household name in the sports world back then. In fact, you may or may not remember this, and uh, it, it breaks my heart to tell this. I'm a baseball fan. I mean, I love baseball, but Bino was only football. And back in the was it the early '80s when the hostages came home, when the hostages were released and, and came home, and um, 80, 81, I think, Sean, I may have my dates wrong, mm -hmm. but uh, they were released and uh, came home. And Major League Baseball gave each of the hostages a, li a lifetime pass to every baseball game for their lifetime. You know, so, you know, pretty, pretty wonderful gesture by Major League Baseball. And Bino was on, you know, the scoreboard show that week or he was doing an interview or whatever. And that was a big story of the week, right? The hostages were the big story in the country. And then what base the nice gesture that baseball did. So somebody teased Bino up, says, Bino, you know, what do you think about, uh, you know, the baseball awarding a lifetime pass to all the hostages? And again, this is Bino. He loves football, not so much baseball. So they tee him up. What do you think of that, Bino? And his response was, haven't they suffered enough? <laughs> That was his response, and it became a national story. And again, it just shows his irreverence 
Um, but his his love for football, yeah. And yeah, that became, a love a lovable yeah. character. I, yeah. I mean, he was as abrasive he, as he could be. And I always used to love when that when ESPN used to show the blooper tapes and 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 Bino behind the scene getting so exactly. sick because his earpiece yes. wasn't working. Yes. We've all been oh, there before yeah. in this business, but the way Bino yeah. reacted, yeah. It, it, it's like you can't help but love him even more. You know, I mean, no. he, he was a real yeah. guy. That that was him, he really you know? was. Yeah, he really was. There's a book about to be published on Bino, um, a writer uh, from Pittsburgh. And it, it, it's got to be classic with all these types of stories in it. So oh, I'm I'll get forward that. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, for sure. Hey, I'll tell you what, those guys, though, I, I mean, it, when we, Bino Cook, Lee Corso, yes. these guys became household names. They Kirk did. Herb Street was just yeah. kind of a run-of-the-mill quarterback at Ohio State. Yeah. And he's so yeah. tremendous at his job. But you, you have right. generations of fans that grew up like me, getting up on a Saturday yeah. morning and watching that show. And it really has become an no institution doubt. over, over the course it really of the last years. And, and what, what's sad in some respects is the current generation doesn't remember Lee Corso was a very good football coach. Yeah. I mean, he coached college. He coached in the USFL. Um, he was a good coach, but uh, everybody can't wait to, to that headwear goes on every Saturday. Oh, That's for no, sure. no doubt about yep. that boy it flew by it just like last week it's it always sure a pleasure did. chat with you my friend yes sir look forward to doing it again next week enjoy your week uh to our fine producer eric dorch thank you for all that you do as well folks we'll be here every sunday night uh talking football with you uh whatever is interesting if there's something that you think we should touch on by all means you know how to get a hold of us uh we'll definitely talk about it is we're going to be talking all things football, not only the NFL, college, and certainly the prep stuff as well. So for my friend Bill Keenest, I'm Sean Belugian saying thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on Gridiron Wrap.